When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I lied to you in the last segment because I said that it would be measured in seconds, the amount of time that we're down. It was a wee bit longer than that, and I apologize. But I'm going to make up for it with the guest that is joining us for this segment. It is none other than rich 20-something, Daniel DiPiazza. Daniel, welcome, man. Thank oh, you for coming today. So. You know what? You've already amazed me. I didn't even know you could have a live stream, that you were allowed to legally have a live stream this long. Well, we have to break it into three eight-hour segments. Oh, only. So, yeah. But we, like, did a whole thing. Like, we had to contact Facebook. Really? and Yeah, yeah. Why? As far as we know, and we haven't hyped this too hard because we're not sure that we're right, but as far as we know, <laughs> the only ones that have ever done a 24-hour live are Facebook themselves. Wow. So we think, cool. hedge, 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 we think we're the first ones to do a 24-hour live. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be part of that. Thank you. Dude, we're honored to have you here, man. So um, let me give them a tiny bit of background on how we met. And sure. then if you want to give them some general background on who you are and what you've done, that'd be amazing. So you and I actually met, I don't know if you remember this, but from Noah Kagan. Mm-hmm. So Noah and I um, got to know each other because he came on the show. Super cool dude. Love the way his mind works. And you happened to be interviewing him the same day that we were going to hang out. And so he ended up bringing me with him to you, met you, uh, we clicked, and um, then we did like a whole thing about books, and we exchanged our, it was supposed to be top three, I was a little cheeky and did four, Uh, supposed to be our top three books that have had like a really big impact on us, a lot of fun, a bit of content, and yeah, when we were thinking about people to bring on to this that we think will really bring some value to the audience, thought of you. It's great, man. Well, I switched careers. Now I'm a rapper. Nice. So, yeah. Well, yeah, in fairness, you really are making music. <laughs> oh, true, true. Yeah, actually, I did my um, my third album last last month. I dropped that, but not not music. It's more spoken words. Uh, like, listen to any. But you Alan, have like beats and stuff well, on it. The first one has beats on it. Um, do you listen to any any Alan Watts? No, I know who okay. he is, but I'm not very familiar with him. Well, he inspired me to do this work. They, uh, he, he would, he would have been the best podcaster back when, before podcasts were ever a, a thought in someone's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Watts was just doing lectures, going from school to school around like Northern California, teaching Buddhist philosophy and stuff wow. like that. So you'd be into him. Old British guy, uh, born in the you know the late late 1800s, older guy. So. He was going around giving these lectures, and I love to listen to his lectures, and I, I get so into them. He'd go on for an hour, and he'd just go in and out of these concepts, 
And uh, it was a great way to learn. So I thought, well, maybe there's a way I could deliver information in the same way to, to my audience. And so I started making these mixtapes. Um, the first one had music backing it up. And the second and third one, which I just released, um, it's, it's, there's no music. It's just me riffing, rapping, but not, not intentionally trying to rap. Do you do it in rhyme? No, there's no rhyme. It's just me. It's just it's a, it's like a lecture. Hmm. It's almost like a personal podcast. But the idea is just yeah, changing up the flow of how people receive information because every the information is not really the commodity. It's more. So of I'm like I'm gonna guess though, that there is a pretty substantial difference. And now I'm super sad. So you played me one track from the one that had music. I thought it was dope. Um, so I'm curious one why you dropped the music, and then two, I'm guessing that there really is a difference between just a normal podcast and what you're doing. So is there like tonality and rhythm mm -hmm. that you're playing with or here's the big difference. So I, I, so now that the book is out, I started to do a lot. And what more. is the book? Cause oh. I think this also give people some context on you. So this is a book right here. Um, so rich 20 something ditch your average job, start an epic business and score the life you want. So that's the book. And you really came up upstart entrepreneur, Built something from nothing really early in the social influence space, yeah, um, and turned it into a real business, yeah. All right, yeah. so that's the background now. Sorry. Um, well, so the the idea was after the book launch, I started getting all these opportunities to do talks, and I and I realized that some of the best speakers out there, they're ready to go. Like if you watch, I mean, Gary Vee's a good example. You had him on, or other people in different areas like Noam Chomsky, like Elon Musk. They're so deep into their into their field of expertise that they don't need to prepare for a speech. Not that they don't, but right. you could give them a topic that can go. Tim Ferriss is like this. You give him a topic, he rattles off on it. So what I realized was just like a stand-up comedian practicing a set, just like a uh, you know an actor learning their lines, just like these great speakers, I need to start getting these, these almost like tracks in my head where I can go on a topic and I can say, creativity, go. And I can give you a well-thought-out idea on what the creative process is like, what great, what great artists think about it. And so these, these mixtapes and albums are ways for me to get my ideas out long form. So when I go do speaking events now, I have all these riffs to pull from, mm. you know? I love that. It's kind of like a freestyle rapper. So much of what freestyle rappers do, from what I've seen, and I'm not of this world, so this is a little dangerous, but it seems like... It's not like they're making all of it up on the spot. No. They've got like certain bits they're that they can rhythms. sort of plug in. You'll do some, I was just talking about this today. You'll do some freestyle rappers. I just made this analogy today. Freestyle rappers come in there with some written that are like really clever. Then they'll take elements from the surroundings. And so it sounds like a current, like fresh right off the top of the dome thing, but they have elements they've already thought of. Right. So me, I'll have like five or six blocks that I could talk about. If you say, talk to me about freelancing and I'll mm -hmm. go on that. Then I'll pull in information about sin over there or I'll you know, pull stuff from you, you and I'll make it relevant. Right. No, that's super cool. And so what made you pull the music out? That was like uh, the angle. I, th I was like, fuck, I'm so you're into such this. You're a badass. I know. You're, you're a badass. You love the music. Uh, I, I liked it too. It's just more production time. So, true, you know, true. And I want to be able to get it out. Yeah, I have like a super not secret at all fantasy because I've said it out loud before. Um, I really want to partner with like a big artist. So I don't know if you've ever seen my impact quotes, which is a little bit like what you're talking about, but more emotional where yeah. I'm really trying like impact quotes. I think about performing. Sure. So in a podcast, I would never get into that zone, um, especially not if I'm with somebody. Sure. So impact quotes is a performance and it's a single take. Or how about this? It's one take. There are times where I'm like, okay, I fucked that up. I need to just like, let's scrap it, start from scratch. Um, and I'm and I'm trying to get into that zone. But my fantasy would be to team up with like a DJ Ooh, yeah. and really do something, not just 
with the music, but like full blown with images and oh, really yeah. Oh, yeah. go fucking hardcore. Oh, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. But for the exact reason that you pulled the music, it's so much time. So much production. Like to get an artist to create music specifically yeah. for that, they're never gonna do that until they have a huge following or they're a small audience. But uh, sorry, they have a small audience. So this is uh, part of the reason that I'm so obsessed with building the following and getting it big is when you have people's attention, the number of opportunities that open up, the number of people that wanna do cool shit with you, like it is not that I have a lack of ideas, it's that you need more mass behind you sure. before you can do it. Otherwise, you have to throw money at everything, sure. and that's how you go broke. All right, we have a fan question here. My name is Dylan. I'm 10 years old. I'm a vlogger. How can I make an impact on children? This is Nisha Khanna. My man, Daniel, take it away. That's a, I'm so happy. Which camera? We're looking at this camera? That's this your one? A camera. Hello. Um, that's a great question. If you're 10, you're already winning. I don't even, there's, I could pretty much say nothing to you. And just the fact that you're watching this and you're asking that question tells me that you're on the right track. Yeah. That's, that, that's, the quality of the question reflects the quality of the, the asker, right? I'm so curious. Can we get them to answer if they're still in the feed? Uh, are you with your parent? Yeah. Like, or are you by yourself? Is this, are you on your phone right now? If they're by themselves, I'm going to have a stroke. <laughs> okay. I want an official answer to that one. Why do I keep looking over here? What yeah. are you doing at a computer? I keep thinking you're the one. But this is you, right? You're <laughs> you engaged. Are ah, right there with the people. All right, so I'm so curious. So you think Nisha's the parent and not the well, 10-year-old? Well, okay, let's respond to Dylan because Dylan is the... Oh, my name is Dylan. Hi. Uh, wow. Hi, Dylan. And this is like early in the day, Yeah, kids. this is the first eight-hour segment. Wait till it's like... Th this, we're just now in, in the second eight-hour, but oh, second wow, eight, okay. a little too early for a mistake like that. Uh, I'll tune so, yeah. at 3 a.m. We'll All see. right, so we think Dylan is chilling with Nisha. That makes sense. Okay, Dylan. Right. Yeah, look, I mean, the first thing is you got to start putting your work out there. So you're a vlogger. And I think that the biggest thing now for you is just going to be getting the getting used to being creative and putting out there, publishing it, right? It's, uh, it's a little bit scary. It can be scary to put work out there. It can be scary to think people might make fun of you or maybe you're worried that it won't look good enough. But right now, I know it's really hard to have perspective. There's no, it's impossible to have perspective at 10. But the reality is you have probably, honestly, about two decades to the, get to the point where that work can really start to build and get really good yeah. before people start to notice a lot. I'm curious. Do you think that Dylan should read the comments when he puts work out? I think it might even be helpful for, I mean, Nisha, if that's your mom, I, maybe even disable the comments. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm conflicted on this because here's the truth, Dylan you're going to have to toughen up and you're going to have to take some hard criticism. Mm -hmm. But God, would I have been prepared for that at 10? Absolutely not. So for you to get where you want to go, you're going to have to hear um, what people think. The bad news is that, so one, I read virtually every comment that I get. Really? A hundred percent. That hurts me. So, but I will say, I went on Joe Rogan. I didn't read a single fucking comment. So I listened to um, Sam Harris and he goes, let me, let me tell you right now, don't read the comments on Joe Rogan. Like he didn't tell me personally, I was listening to him doing a podcast. He went on Joe Rogan and he said that the comments were so like, 
God, I don't remember what word he used. What it made me think of was like Neanderthalic. Like they're so just like slinging mud and calling names. And he was like, yeah, I'm never reading the comments on Joe Rogan again. So going into it, I knew, okay, I'm not going to read the comments on Joe Rogan. Some of the team read them and they're like, oh my God, like definitely don't read these. So that's the audience. But I read the comments that come in from this community for sure, like deeply. And I take what they say very seriously. And so, you know, I think you're right on the money, but now how does Dylan think about the comments? How does he let that shape him? Because some people are just going to try to hurt him. That's it. Their, Their aim in life is to wound him. So, but at the same time, if he can hear the feedback from the people that really are just giving him real feedback, they don't have ill intent, but they're really giving him something that might be useful that'll allow him to sharpen and get better. God, if he can find some way, you know, and maybe like you said, it's, it's Nisha's the answer and she, I think, um, goes through and pulls the comments that are positive or constructive um, and avoiding, like, I'll tell you right now, if you write a comment and you're like, Tom, you're a dickhead and don't explain why I'm a dickhead. If you explain it, I'll listen. And if it's yeah. like, you're actually trying to explain why what I did makes me look like a dickhead or come across like that, I'll leave it. But if you're just like, Tom, you're a dick, I'd delete it. Because you have to tend your garden, yeah. right? So the truth is, impact or my, you know, forward slash Tom Bilyeu is not a place for freedom of expression. It is a place to empower other people and I shall act as such. And so if your comment is useful and it's criticism that I can use to get better and then thusly help other people, I'm all for it. If you're just slinging mud and being a jackass, that shit gets deleted. Well, it's, it's, gotta, it's gotta be, like on the flip side, if you can... If Dylan can get through that period, you know, with the help of parents and support and understanding what's going on. Um, first of all, it might it might not even there's a good chance that people could be weird in the comments, but also people might, might just be really nice. Right. That does happen Very a lot true. of times, or the majority of them are nice. Hopefully, we can hope people that will be they will be. And second, if they are kind of a jackass, it's going to really toughen you up for like school at ten. No question. I I can't even I just wasn't really exposed to that much public scrutiny at such a young age so it's really hard for me to imagine what that might be mm-hmm. like but I can also think about myself now and think yeah it's toughing me up like I had someone tell me the other day <laughs> the other day they wanted to throw me in a um in a wheat thresher and I, don't, I had to look up what that was <laughs> a wheat thresher I love that you took the time to look it up yeah and I was like oh this is interesting it's like yeah that'd be rough that'd be a rough way to go what did I do I just write articles bro yeah. I write blog posts. I don't know why they're ever waking you on Chop Me Up. So we have to move your mic a little bit closer. Yeah. There we go. All right. We're in business now. So funny. I put that on the floor so I wouldn't keep bashing it. It keeps popping back up. All right. Feels good. Am I supposed to do something with it? Oh, I'm supposed to just like at any time draw on it? Nice. Oh, I thought we gave up on the Would You Rathers. Well, in wanna, honor of that, I want to. I I Let, let's get straight play, to a would you rather. This, 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 is, this is a proper Here game show. This, let's do it. No, I'm telling you, this team does not play around. Yeah, let's they do it. Have, everything you see is because this team is amazing. Oh, all right. I, I know. I'm would well you rather be the worst player on the best team or the best player on a great team? Wait, repeat the question? Yeah, that, that, that gets a little nuanced here. Yeah. Let's read that one more time. Would you rather be the worst player uh-huh. on the best team? Uh-huh. Or the best player, I think they mean on a good team. I mean, that's that's like like saying, do you want to be a a C or a D lister in LA or an A lister in Atlanta? Yes. Precisely. Uh, What's your goal? Is your your goal to be, you know, it depends on your goal. Like if you want to be an A lister, um, some, some people's 
their need won't be satisfied until they're an A-lister in LA. There is no in-between. Right. But me, probably, I'd, I think I'd rather be uh, an A-lister because you, you don't have to be the number one. You don't have to be Will Smith to be very successful. So you can be very successful in a niche. And then your niche, which is small, can also be really big. So like with Impact, the whole Impact brand, you might end up only affecting like X amount of people. Well, it's not the whole world, but you might end up, you might end up hitting a significant sliver. Right. You know, so it's just your niche. I'd rather be the biggest player in a smaller pond. I think it's more manageable. You can meet people, you know, who, you know, cheers. Everyone knows your name. There's nothing wrong with that. And, there's a, no, and also, like, a point that I try to make is if you have an email list, let's say you have an email list and people say, I want to get a million people on my email list or I want a million people on Facebook or whatever, you know, the, the viral goals, mm. um, 100,000 impact theory. Yeah, awesome, right? Madison Square Garden at its peak is 22,000 people. So think of it like that. You have four Madison Square Gardens that you can reach with a message right. in a cleaner way. Because if you've ever been on a microphone in a, in a stadium, you know, it echoes, hello, 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 hello. They can barely even hear you. Mm. You know, they can hear you clearly when you have a, a following like this. And so you don't need to have a huge following. Isn't it enough to have, you know, 100,000 on email list? Does it need to be a million to make the change you want to make? Maybe, maybe not. You make the choice. Yeah, I think that's the the only right answer is there is no right answer. There's only like what serves your goals. Like for instance, with us, raw numbers is so meaningful to what we're trying to do. So emotionally, it's not like, oh, I got to have it till like, yeah, I feel yeah, good yeah. and I got to yeah. keep growing. And I know that like our obsession with getting our numbers up, like especially now there's like this backlash against people that have big followings. It's like, oh, uh, like you don't need that big following, bro. Or people that have the huge following, like <laughs> I don't give a shit about like the numbers, it's not about the numbers. Um, for us, it's, it is quite literally about <laughs> the numbers. It's literally about so, the actual numbers. Yeah, like we need both just unbelievable unparalleled engagement and we need big numbers because the two things we're trying to do one just pull as many people out of the matrix as humanly possible and if i'm not reaching them then hey no chance of pulling them out and then the second is to leverage it from a studio perspective to create the ultimate kind of content that we want to create which is traditional narrative i need big numbers otherwise we're never going to be able to we'll be taken advantage of by the system so while we get our feet under us while we get projects out there while we generate a library of intellectual property i need the numbers in order to go to the negotiating table with power so mm -hmm. those and that's why we all of our content is free because the trade-off here is I need these numbers. I need you guys to share the feed if it's adding value um, because that's how we're going to get the power that we go to the table. So it's one of those where as an individual, they don't really even have to think about it. It's not a give for them in that sense, but we need the just the raw numbers. One, to get guests. Two, getting guests helps us build relationships. Three, it lets us walk in to, uh, let's just say Netflix to be easy. And we've developed, let's say a TV show. We go to Netflix and we say, look, there's 500,000 people in our ecosystem of 3 million that are galvanized around this show. And we've been putting it out as a comic book or whatever. And so now there's like a big audience. They're really excited for this to come to market. If you want it, then we're going to retain some of the merchandising rights. So anyway, that's where um, I would actually give the opposite answer. So I'm the guy that you were describing at the beginning, which is I need to be the A-lister in LA. Like yep. that's yep. nothing else will do for me. Well, you have a move. You have a game show set in your house, so <laughs> so that would be you're, you're you're tracking nicely. You're tracking nicely. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Yeah, and, and that's there's. I think that's like as it should be. I think it's as it should be. You look at people. That's because you're like you're on your. You're on your path. You're going, you're riding the horse in the direction it wants to go, right. for instance. Like, 
I think that what where the problem lies is like when you become obsessed with numbers that don't mean anything to you. Correct. It means something to you to have that ability to pull people out of the matrix. But for some people who are like, I wish my video had more views, you're just like, for what? Mm. Why? You don't need a million views on your video to do what with? You know? So, vi so viral is like inconsequential to purpose. And if your purpose is that I need to pull these people out of the matrix, and yeah, you're gonna get your numbers up. People are gonna wanna work with you, man. I've seen your Facebook uh, video. I'm like, is he sponsoring this? Or like, <laughs> why does it have so many? He just put it up. Why does it have so many views? Yeah. So what you're doing is working. Thank you. So you should keep doing that. Yeah. And then, you know, then it's a matter of like, you have your ecosystem and then you keep kind of an open eye for what trends are, are popping off so that you can kind of like ride the wave, ride the wave. That's the thing too. Most people make this mistake of thinking like, they ask me like, what's, how do I go viral? How do I blow up? What's the, what's the secret? And really what the secret is, is you peel back the layers First of all, it's like mastery of a skill. So this isn't your first time hosting a show. You've been, you've figured out how to like create content. Like, yeah, this is a newer venture, but you've been honing this skill for a while. Right. You're obviously also, you already have a natural um, like interest and ability with like hosting people, talking to people. It is, you're, you're clearly in your lane. Okay. So there's that. Plus there's the years of practice. Plus there's now being observant of trends. You know that video does very, very well. So you've set up your life to make it easy to do great video because video does really well. Now you don't need to have a studio like this to do great video. You don't need to do video like Tom Bilyeu, but you can do great video. Right. And if that's what's tracking, then it is no coincidence that you'd be spending years working on your presentational skills, building up your relationships, and now you're doing video. And oh, you're lucky, impact theory blew up. Right. You know. And to be clear, there's also money in this. You put a lot of money and time into this. You have a staff, but you don't need all that. You need to be honing the skill and then watching for the trends. That's what I did with Instagram. My thing was writing. I'm really good at writing. Okay. So I studied the, so I, I worked on my writing. I, I interned other, under people. I worked for people. I studied, I got really good at writing. I watched the trends. I saw that Instagram was going to take off. I hitched on Instagram and started using my writing to build websites and pages that people signed up for. And I filled up classes, the size of a college course, wow, you know, incredible. to do that. Watching the trends plus the skill already developed. You're doing the same thing. You can do that too. But probably what most people try to do is try to skip the, they try to skip right to the second step, which is what's the trend, but you got to match up the trend with the ability. That is really fucking clear and so important. Mm -hmm. uh, really important. I hope people listen to that one. I don't know if that's come from your rap battle practice or <laughs> that's not. That's a new one. But like that was great. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was well thought out. It is so 100% correct. Um, so I hope people are paying attention to that one. All right. Fan question from Cameron RN. What is your definition of hustle? Do you believe there are limits on work ethic and drive? That's a great one. I know you don't think there's any limits on work ethic and drive. Well, it's interesting, man. Do I believe that there are limits? Um, your whole thing is like showing us that our potential is unlimited. Yes. And now let's back into that there are 24 hours in a day. Right. So there Tom's are... all of them. Yeah. Well, today I certainly will be. <laughs> yes. Um I don't know, man. Are there limits? Yes, because how about this? You probably should put limits on it because there should be other things in your life that um, really help you get a deep sense of fulfillment, right? Sure, like sure. not everything should be hustle. So um, from an optimizing the human perspective, unless you're going to start counting meditation as hustle, which, okay, I could hear that argument, but... Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a guy that like always needs to be on that meditation hustle, right? <laughs> I'm nice. real like present that. right now. <laughs> really? Super I'm grinding on my, yeah, grinding uh, on my presence. presence. <laughs> That's such an LA thing. I feel yeah. like that could be a thing, right? Oh, I'm sure. I feel it like it could be. be a thing. If no Gary question. starts meditating, he's going to grind at it yeah. hard. He's going to, he's going to be, he's going to be meditating like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the camera. That's exactly right. Pressing as fuck right now. Dude, I love that guy. His shit is like... It's amazing. He's amazing. I really do love him stuff. Love his stuff. Um, so what do you think? Uh, I think that... <sighs> Limits on Hustle... Yeah, I... I and part of the reason why I mentioned Gary is I think his, his work is great too. And, but I also think people try to emulate that style of mentality too much. That really is just the way he is. And you don't have to like fake it. Uh, you don't have to pretend like uh, you always want to be hustling if you if sometimes you need something else to like break it up so that you have some sanity. And you're right, hustling 24-7. You're, as an entrepreneur, someone that has that type of programming, you're always going to be thinking about your business anyway. But like last night, for instance, it was 10.30 or 11 and I you know it worked for most of the day Sarah was up to she's working her bus her ass too and it's like at 11 o'clock I'm like you know what I'm just gonna choose to stop working right now mm. and I can pick it up in the morning and whatever doesn't get done between now and the time I wake up is gonna just have to deal with it because I'm gonna spend some time and we're gonna just not do that anymore and that just has to be one of your modes you can't me personally I can't all, look because I need the asset I am the asset you are the asset you're the asset if you can't really if you're not really around this whole thing shuts down like even though you have people and a team and systems, if Tom isn't good, it doesn't really go, at least for this part of the business. So you have to shut down at some point every day, except for today. It's a very special day. Yes, very true. So I'm a huge believer in hustle, and I love that, and I love that mentality, and I definitely consider myself a grinder. Oh, yeah. I definitely consider myself a hustler hard. My thing is that when you're leaving it all out on the field, then you don't feel bad when it's time to take time off, right? Sure. Like to when I decide to veg the fuck out, <laughs> like I don't have any guilt about that whatsoever because I've I've played hard. Like mm -hmm. I I live in accordance with my goals, there's no question. So that to me and even Gary like he takes time off. Of he travels, he takes vacation. So I don't think there's anybody that's that's going to last that's really grinding around the clock. Well, I mean, or you die at 27. Yeah. Which, I mean, and, and to be fair, like I used to actually, I thought it was so funny when I was a kid, I would see these reports online of like, um, or the regular newspaper back for anyone who remembers wow. it. Surprise magazine for that. Uh, someone asked me today, they like, do you remember the movie Groundhog Day? I said, get out of here. Come on. Anyway, um, I do see you like how old are you? I've seen movies, Tom. You've seen movies, but aren't you? You're still in your twenties. I'm yes, I'm almost <laughs> thirty. Okay, I was born in 1988. Wow. In, okay, I'm That's working on great, it. Great, man. You're so far ahead of where I, I was. So far, I know, but not really. Look at this shit. Okay, yeah, so but I'm in my forties. Aren't you 53? I wish I were 53 because then I would look good. <laughs> But sadly, no. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, well, I was going to say that, um, that, yeah, I mean, the, the hustle, like, it eventually will come to a point where you have to make a decision whether, like, who you want to be. And um, to be the best version of yourself, you just need rest. You got to sleep. I know you do, too. I, you're, you're up, and I see you're up working out early, but I know you rest, and you relax, and you recharge. Dude, my thing is I tell people all the time, I prioritize sleep. I'm up early because I go to bed early. Yeah, what time do you go to bed? 9 p.m. Like it's hmm. a religion. Yeah, that's yeah. I when I was waking up real early, that was the time I had to go to bed too. I'm I'm not doing that as much right now. I used to do like between four and forty five four forty five. Now I'm a little bit different just because I'm not doing the book thing. I'm not writing a book. But um yeah, you have to go to bed early to, to wake up early. It's not a, it's not like you're staying up until two and then waking up at four. No, that'd be retarded. Yeah. And I don't set an alarm, so I literally get as much sleep as I yeah. need every night. Yeah. That's pretty cool to not have to do that too. I, I do that too, and I wake up about seven fifteen, no alarm. And you're like, oh, this is what it feels like to not be pestered as soon as I wake up. Great. Right. You know, I still, I still check my emails first thing when oh, I wake up, which is the worst God. habit ever. 
I know it's so bad. Yeah, but I'm just I'm I'm immediately addicted to it. That's so interesting. I am repulsed by email. It <laughs> me gives too. me anxiety. It does. Uh, I have trained myself to feel a deep and abiding shame if I'm checking. Email. Now I'm being shamed, like like you know, like by uh, by proxy. My shame is so it's big. A it's like spilling shame. over into. You. I feel like a lot of anxiety about email too, um, and I have gotten better at it, but I'm not good at it. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We have a fan question here. This is from Rob Tyson. Bigger companies are starting to hire entrepreneurial, creative type people to create new verticals within their companies, um, also known as intrapreneurs. Could this be an opportunity for entrepreneurs? If they have the freedom like entrepreneurs, but with stability, does that make them entrepreneurs? You just said that. All right. Well, this is fascinating. Yeah. So in this, can you feel the judgment that entrepreneurs are somehow good or better? Um, so let me hopefully set anybody out there free that doesn't want to be an entrepreneur, which is a high <laughs> risk endeavor. Being an entrepreneur is not better. There's nothing better about that. So it's just gotten really cool. And by the way, I love that it's cool. And I think that that's going to create an aspirational culture around learning to execute at the highest level. So I fucking love that. I think it's amazing. It used to only be actors and musicians. And now like entrepreneurs are the new rock star and it's really exciting and fun and we can build followings. I think it, that is so cool. So I'm not bashing that. I'm just saying it isn't better. It isn't better than being a linchpin. And to me, those are the choices. So entrepreneur, um, the, the greatest entrepreneur I've ever met is Jay Samet, who wrote the book Disrupt You. I love Jay. So amazing. This guy is unbelievable. He's made billions for, his com for companies and just walks away like nothing. He's there's a billion, made you a billion, made you a billion. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. His Rolodex is ridiculous. Yeah. And because he's made so many people money, I mean, he can just get virtually anybody's attention at any time. That's a good point. Very impressive. Um, and so there is stability in that. And that is a very valid path to choose. Whether that makes them entrepreneurs or not, to me, is irrelevant. Like, they're badass. Change makers. Yeah, 100%. Lynchpins. 100%. No, no one, no one uh, goes to someone like Jay and says, yeah, but what are you, though? Are yeah. you an entrepreneur? Are you an entrepreneur? Like, listen, yeah, you did him on here. I had him on my show, too. He's just a smart guy who understands organizations. He can. He doesn't need the label. He can go in and out. He can start his own thing. He can start someone else's thing. He can help you out. Mm -hmm. uh, there are opportunities for entrepreneurs in this. Another guy who's really good at thinking like this critically is um, Jay Abraham, another Jay. So no, Jay Abraham. Jay Abraham is like a very, very high level. Like I would call him like a legacy marketer. He's like Tony Robbins' number one guy. Uh, Damon John calls him his mentor. Uh, so, so Jay Abraham is like a very old school, but like very high end thought leader when it comes to like customer retention, preeminence is his thing. And, um, and he's really good at like looking at a company. He has this, this like anecdote, which he tells in some of his books about how he was able to like see, uh, the opportunities within companies, especially even before influence was a thing as much, um, and see where the gaps were and fill them in with different products and services opportunities. There's tons of things for you to do now. I mean, there's so much opportunity as a as a um, as an entrepreneur because part of what we're looking for is for you to teach us how to connect with each other. Like if you part part of the the opportunity as an entrepreneur is not just to create new products but to create new connections. It's a great and point. Uh, and you can do that really well with a company that already has the assets. You don't have to make the assets and the connections. You can just do one of them. It's a really good point. And my thing is really about being honest with yourself about what you are. What I'm excited, what is exciting for you, what your goals are, what they demand. So 
based on my goals and wanting to control my art, and that, which is how it started originally. I wanted to actually direct the films. Now I want to be producing the films mm -hmm. at a much higher level. But it required me to become an entrepreneur in order to generate the finances to sure. control that. Yeah. Um, so that's what my goals demand. So I wasn't a born entrepreneur, but I had to slide into that role. So people really need to decide like what resonates with them internally, what resonates with their goals, like what is it, what do their goals actually demand? And from that decide whether you want to be an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, a linchpin, um, or just quite frankly, somebody who lives a stress-free life. All of those are incredibly valid choices that can lead to a deep sense of fulfillment. Um, you just like have to be real instead of like getting caught up in the cool factor. It's like starting a band when you don't give a shit about music. Yeah. Like, why yeah. would you do that? that? Yeah. It's like, okay, everyone's doing guitar courses now, but like, I don't like guitar. Right. So what's the, I love guitar though. I can, can you play? <laughs> I can, but really badly. Yeah. Really bad. Everyone can play a few songs on, on an instrument really badly. Yeah. Chopsticks on the piano. Yes, yeah. I, used, I actually used to be able to do that. All right, we have another fan question. This one is from Christopher Size. Uh, hey, Tom, I am a part owner in a hummus company. Oh, I love the, you. Hummus comes I up a lot. Hummus. How do we get customers to know about us um, once we are on the shelves? We have no problem getting into stores, just figuring out how to get people to know about us. So um, I will say that the the key here is. One, what can you negotiate with the store in terms of presence, doing discounts, being in their flyers, being in their advertisements, all ideally at the local level, because I'm sure what's happening is you're getting into stores at the local level versus maybe um, at the chain wide. It's certainly much easier to advertise anyway at the local level, and I would build on success locally, move to the next one, get success there, move to the next one, because grocery stores look at something that's called a turn rate. If you're not meeting the turn rate, well, you may get on shelves easily. If you're not selling at a certain velocity, they're gonna pull you out. They have what are called minimums, so make sure you know what their minimum turn rate is um, so that you know whether you think you can meet that and that you're doing the things, marketing and advertising that you need to do. Now, when it comes to food, if you can't give away your product, then you probably have a real problem. So I would, with any store that would let us, if I really believed in my product, I would actually target stores that really let you go in and do um, demos. So you're gonna go in with a demo person, an awesome demo person, someone who really knows how to get people excited about the product and get in there, demo the product, get people amped about it, and go from success to success to success. Much better to start small and really crush it so you've got great numbers so you can go to the next store manager or the next franchise and show them the numbers because that's what everybody wants to see. Even if they like the product, they won't necessarily bring it in if they don't think it's gonna move units. So if you have that success story, it's very powerful. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your 
full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news news, and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. I'm actually writing down something you said, uh, which I think is just an amazing, just funny, very simple idea. If you can't give your product away, you have a big problem. Yes. (laughs) If you can't, you know, and there's a bunch of protein bars that you couldn't give me. I've done bodybuilding shows or I've gone to like, you know, uh, like 
you know, Fit, fit expos and stuff. I'm like, ugh, ugh, throw it out. I just trash it. Yep. If you produce something and I won't even eat it for, or especially with food, eat it for free. Correct. If you give me a, 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 an event t-shirt and I wouldn't even, I won't even wear it as a free shirt, why, it's almost a burden to give it to me because now I have to throw it out or do something with it. Right. It becomes more, why would I want like a um, Northwest Fisherman's Expo t-shirt with a logo on the breast? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's selfish of you to make me, you know, Think I would wear that, and same thing with the food. So yeah, if you can't give it away, that's a really smart one. I'm gonna start using that. Nice, it's all yours, man. All right, got another question here from John Felipe. Uh, love the learnings coming from this live feed, though. I question telling a ten year old that they can't get perspective at that age, and that he will need to wait two decades to get an audience, etc. Do you think that's limiting or realistic? I mean, he's ten. And brain is opened up to ideas and concepts most of us weren't aware of till a much later age. What do you think? Yeah, fair point, fair point. I mean, I was rolling my eyes and I was like, eh, actually, you know, fair point. Uh, here, here's my thing. I, I have just, and this is my own, this is an opinion. It's an opinion. My opinion is that you just have so much growing to do at 10 that vlogging, it might, you might have found your, like your thing. Steven Spielberg, if he'd had vlogging, would have probably done that. He was doing that with his little camera, his little eight mil, his little you know, eight millimeter camera. Um, but maybe you try vlogging as a ten year old and you realize it's actually not the thing. The point I was trying to make was you have a long runway to try different projects, fail, not really worry about trying to get attention. Which at ten you shouldn't be worrying about trying to build an audience at ten. I don't care. You shouldn't. Just like they shouldn't really be doing pageant moms where they're screaming at their kids to like fit into a tutu at a certain. You know, it's just, it's weird. I think it's weird. Um, so you don't, I just, I just feel like it's patient is something that can be taught at any age and perspective necessarily. Yeah. You can have perspective from a 10 year old perspective and then you have one from a 20 year old and 30 year old and 50 year old. So I, yeah, I don't think it was unreasonable what I said, but I understand what he was, what he was saying. Yeah. It's interesting. So I think skills and insights stack. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. that there's, um, a real cool opportunity for him to present what it's like to be a 10 year old. And it would certainly deliver me insights as somebody who, I know what it's like to be 10, but I don't know what it's like to be 10 today. I don't know what it's like to be 10 in a universe with social media. Um, So I could see that being interesting, but at the same time, um, that he is by definition going to grow more powerful over time, which... um, Look at Anakin Skywalker. Wow. Went straight to Anakin. I knew I knew you'd appreciate it. I do. I very much appreciate it. And his midichlorians. Yeah. Although he he turned out to be kind of, you know... Thumbs down for Anakin. Yeah, well, that's, but that's he had a lot of potential. Thing. He did. And there was a lot of room for growth. Getting that stronger by the you. day. He definitely had a lot of your... Our boy Dylan is still in the feed. Rock on. <laughs> What's up? So what is up, Dylan? Dylan, you became a big part of this feed, my man. Did. So if you want to know if a 10-year-old can have impact, you're having it right now. It's true. We're having a so, conversation about it. Indeed, we are. Yeah. All right. So next up, we've got our segment prize, which is the book... By our man, which we showed at the top of the hour, which is ditch your average job, start an epic business, and score the life you want. And then I think this is also part of it, the five class pass. Boom. So we got five class pass to go with it to hundreds of studios around the U.S. Uh, This, unfortunately, is in the U.S. Um, Giveaway question. All right. So here we go. The giveaway question to win those items is list your three favorite millennial entrepreneurs. By the way, I meant to ask you. Speaking of uh, marks, what's the owl tattoo mean? Oh, okay. So this is a. Uh, so this is. Sorry, it's a parrot, right? Yeah, it's a parrot. So this is an, this is an African gray. 
African Grey is the most intelligent parent in the world. It can learn a lot of different languages. You can have conversations with it. Um, they can live like 60, 70 years. Jesus. Yeah. And my grandmother had one before she died. And so this was a bird that I grew up getting to know. And so like it was a 30-year-old bird. And eventually it got given away to a, another person because she died. But to have to have grown up with an animal like that for so long and have it like, you could be like, same as Macy, be like, hi, Macy, how are you doing? She's like, good. How are you? Like it's an actual, it's a so very smart bird. Um, so I got this in memory of my grandmother and also just a cool little, that's just a cool little. Do you um, ever read about Alex the parrot? Yeah, the Irene Pepperberger. Is that the Her trainer's name? That's interesting. Irene I never Pepper. would remember that. But you could tell do, my grandmother's into parrots because yeah, it's a very point. specific knowledge point. That is a very specific knowledge oh, point. Oh, you mean Irene Pepperberger, right. the African Grey <laughs> behavioral specialist? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I've what heard. about her? Yeah. Yeah, Alex is great. He um and and a lot of African greys are like that though. They don't just retain. It's what's freaky is they'll 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 imitate your voice but say different words. Whoa. So it would be like it would be Macy would be like in my grandmother's voice. Daniel, what are you doing? After she'd already died. Whoa. Kind of a little weird, right? That's crazy. Yeah. That's really. That's interesting. a pet. That's a weird pet. My wife grew up with an African grey. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, she's obsessed. And we went to, I think it was the San Diego Zoo, and they have a bunch of African greys there. I walk by, the African greys do not pay me a single mind. <laughs> My wife walks by, and they literally rush up the little branches right to the edge of the cage to get close to her. It was crazy. It's interesting. They're from the Congo. Um, a lot of them are. You know what's interesting, too? So for anyone who doesn't know, um, I'm black and Italian, right? So I'm, you know, I'm this brown kid, and I'm running in and out of my grandmother's house as a kid because I had this whole this bird my whole life growing up, and um, so for whatever reason though, Macy the parrot was like extremely afraid of my dad, who's much darker than me. Mm. So we're always like, well, maybe she's racist, <laughs> you know? We're like, we have this racist friend. She's also afraid of my other friend Mark, who's like dark skin, and she didn't. She's okay with me. She's fine with my my mom. So she's racist. I think she's racist. I don't think all African greys are like that though. Because they're from Africa, right? You Dummy. would think. You would think. From the Congo. All right. We have another fan question. This one from Amy Marie Stroud. How do you put those boundaries in for work so that you don't burn out while maintaining the hustle? Well, you're doing a 24-hour live stream, Tom. I don't know what your answer to this would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a, <laughs> I have a, a take. Uh, I mean, how do, how, do you, how do you not burn out? You have to... How do you put boundaries in? I think that you go through phases. I think there are definitely phases, and I'm sure you can relate to this building quest, where there were no boundaries. Mm. And then you put them in when... You probably put your boundaries in for the first time when you overstep them without knowing it. Like, oh, I accidentally stayed up for two weeks. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know? Um, and then, then you start to like... You get more... Um, you get more... Uh, more practice and experience, like really putting together a schedule that works for you. Like, this is the time I like to wake up. This is the time that I wake up and I'm more refreshed. And you start to get more awareness. That's why I was saying with Dylan, at 10, you just wouldn't know that. You know, now at 30, I'm 29 and months, so months, months. You're about months, to know I this. Liked, I feel like, I feel like I've, it's been dropped on me. You just realize how to handle things better. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I don't really wake up that well at four. I'm going to do seven, but I can stay up till this time. And you start to negotiate with yourself, but you start to get, so yeah, you don't have to burn out. I think you just need to be more like, more aware of how you're spending your time and, and be kind to yourself. Entrepreneurs really uh, grind themselves hard. And I think that that's only good in bursts. Mm. So my thing is, I actually don't think about boundaries at all, yeah, as no uh, noted here by the 24-hour live. 
Um, and I don't think about boundaries for two reasons. One, my wife has very good instincts about what the relationship needs. And since I care essentially about two things, and that is the business and my family, my wife sort of being the, the very tip of that iceberg that I care very much about. Um, so she's really good at reading those situations. I think without her, I'd probably make a lot more mistakes um, in letting you know relationships go too long without speaking to somebody because I get very, very focused on what I'm doing. Um, and then the other thing is that I... Um, I'm so, and I can't remember if I said that I, there were two things that stopped me from having boundaries, but there's two reasons I should say um, that I don't think about them. So one is my wife really making me good about them. And then the other is that what I do makes me feel alive. It is energizing to me. And so I probably, I, I oddly enough had less boundaries back when I hated my life. Um, but that was because I was <laughs> yeah. in a period where I really had to, to learn who I was, prove yeah. something to myself. I've, I had a really big chip on my shoulder and it was all about grinding to get rich. And then ultimately I broke, went in and quit and just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, that's like, I've, I've told that story so many times I won't go into it here, but, um, post that sort of snapping point, and making the mandate that I enjoy what I'm doing, even if the only thing I ever taste is the struggle. Um, once I said, okay, the struggle in and of itself has to be gratifying, it has to be enjoyable, it has to be something that I'm, I'm loving doing, even if I'm losing. So that changed everything for me. So now it's like, like when I'm doing this live, like there will never be a point where I'm like, oh, I just really want to quit, right? So there'll be times where I'm super fatigued, there'll be times where I wish I had more energy, there'll be times where I wish I could sleep, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't ever occur to me to want to actually stop because I'm so excited about my goals. I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited to um, meet myself in the suffering, to prove to the community how much they mean to me, like not in words, but in actual actions, that all of that like excitement just keeps me going. Yeah. You know what I love too is that there's so much, um, so, so much of, especially like, and I don't really consider you, you're not an internet marketer, but internet marketing is a tool that you use. Um, and it's a tool that a lot of people use to kind of like create uh, themselves automated avatars of themselves. But you're doing this here live. And so it's just you. It's not mm. you're not like there's no stage magic going on here besides the lights. It's like you're just here talking to people and it, it's uh, it's work. You're going to be here when people go to bed and when they wake up. Yeah. And you're, so you're working for I them and that. you're and you're doing you're doing a service like. Uh, I think it's great, man. And I think that you've done a, a couple really interesting things, obviously, like. Quest is great, but I think that the purpose behind those things, like creating something great for nutrition, you told me about your story about how your family uh, could really use something like this, and how they needed this knowledge, and you created a product to like embody that, mm -hmm. and then now you're doing um, content that's designed to like get people to think about things in different ways. There's like there's a lot of meaning behind that, so I could see why you might want to be up for 24 hours. I get it, you know, I get it. It, it powers you, and there's an unlimited supply of that energy too. There's no cap on being pumped about, really pumped about what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that's you know one of those really really important lessons that I learned that I hope people don't have to learn the hard way that I did. And God, it's terrifying because enough people told me to like, hey, follow your passion yeah, and all that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. and I didn't, and or I fooled myself into thinking that I was passionate about money. And then when you really stop and think, like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, money yeah. doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's neutral. So yeah, it facilitates, and then you can do things with it. But money in and of itself is inert. Um, so, all right, we have uh, another question here from George Sue. By the way, getting these questions from people that have been asking questions now multiple over multiple periods is incredible. So, George, thank you for joining us. Um, how do you balance protection from above from Simon Sinek while pushing your team to the limit to outperform their old selves? God, this is a great question. Great one. 
Got an answer for us? Well, I'm not familiar with Cynic's So Simon's basically saying leaders need to protect from above. So you've got all of your team. You need to, to come to their aid, protect them, shield them from uh, shitty leadership above or unreasonable demands or whatever the case may be. You but need you also to, need to push them. Well, he's saying how do you balance those? Right. Um, I think... I think Example is the easiest way to, to show what you'd like to have done without having to tell people to do it. The first, the first, and just like building an audience of any type, but the first idea that you want to go into building a team is finding people who already have the same mindset, the same worldview, because then you want to convince them that the way you're doing things is the right way for the most part. I mean, they're really trained, there's training, but like you won't need to convince them that what you're doing is meaningful and important. And that is a big hump because a lot of times at the work that we do, we don't really believe it's meaningful or important. Mm -hmm. So why would we put, why would we go all in? Like, why would I spend an extra hour doing this legal brief when I don't care about anything about this? Right. You know, so you have a good team and your team is already set up to where they like your team's, your team's awesome. They're on it. They're coming up with new ideas. Like you said, they set this entire thing up. You're, you're the talent, you know, right. they produced it. You're a producer too. Uh, no, no, no. One hundred percent, they produce this. You know, I don't want to make you seem like you don't produce. Anything. No, it's very uh, kind of you, but trust uh, me when I say these guys have done this. Either way, so you you found the right you found the right fit, and now you found the team, but you're still leading by demonstrating what to do, and so you're shielding them by making sure that they're you know they're getting everything that they need. You're treating them well. You're leading them by showing them, but not necessarily telling them. You're the one up doing this for twenty four hours, and because you're up, they're up too. So you don't need to say stay up because you're up. It's not mm. like you're saying stay up. I'm going to bed. You're right. up here. <laughs> you know, everyone yeah. keep the live stream going. I got to get some rest. Yeah. Leave from the front. So here's um, here's what I'll say. I, I take a very different take on that. And, and I think that Simon is genius and I'm so grateful for his insights. But the truth is, I don't necessarily agree with him on everything. And I think that um, one of the things is that certainly in a given in um, company type, like this, where it's, I have hired people specifically because they are all in. And one of the reasons that we, Lisa and I decided to give equity to every full-time employee is because I want motherfuckers that are all oh, yeah. in. Oh, yeah. Like you don't get equity and then, oh, also like aren't, you don't need to be fully invested here. Like the whole idea behind giving equity is to get people that are crossing the finish line, get people that are totally invested. Like I want motherfuckers that are, that are in this. Like you understand, like before you come on, you're going to understand what our vision is, what we're trying to accomplish. And you either buy into it and you come in with the full weight of who you are. And now I'm going to, you know, to his point about it's not for me, it's not covered from above because I'm the CEO, but it's like, I'm trying to create that atmosphere where you can bring the full weight of your personality that there's no one to protect you from because the system is set up in a way where it's like, you come in, you do what you're good at, as long as you're focused on getting better every day, like you're fine, like if you fuck up and make a mistake, you cost us a lot of money, honestly, that doesn't matter. What matters, the only cardinal sin is you're resistant to the lesson. You're resistant to saying, I screwed up. And that all comes from the top. So I have more times than I care to remember have sat in, in our weekly kickoff meeting and apologized and said, I did this and I consider that a failure. I did not play to the level that I wanted to. And I believe, no one's asking for it, but I believe I owe you an apology because man, you should be able to expect the absolute most ridiculous high standard out of me. I'm not always gonna be able to pull it off. I get that. But you should be able to expect that of me now, what I want to show you is I am not resistant to the lesson, okay? I messed up. 
I fully acknowledge that I messed up. Here's my strategy to not do it again. And now watch. Over time, I'm gonna execute against that. You're gonna see me get better. You're gonna see me really work to improve. So now, when you come, I want you, when it's your mistake, I want you to do the same. So the, the behavior that you can see being emulated is you come in, if you messed up, no big deal. Like, own the mistake, learn from it, tell me what you're gonna do differently next time, and let's just get back at it. But if you're like, you're so ego protective that you can't even accept that you made a mistake, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's where this really starts to get problematic. And so to me, it's what I hear in Simon saying, like, how do you um, protect people from above? It's your organization is fucked up if you have to protect people from above, right? And I'm not saying, look, that is really hard to do. And I have been the creator of problems way too many times in my life. So these are lessons that I've learned the hard way. Please do not think that I have just some magical insight. I thought you were perfect. Believe it or not, I'm not. What? I know that's startling. It's I know very it's upsetting. Startling. I came here thinking I was going to meet a perfect right. guy, and he's not I perfect. Know. It's terrible. It's terrible. These guys, the laughter is anxiety release. This is not an online yeah. date. I thought we were doing. I thought we were dating. I thought this was a date. Oh man, Tom. Well, it is. I'm just confessing <laughs> what I really I, like. You know? I, had, I thought something different was happening. No, I agree. That's <laughs> yeah, super important in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah, I think just culture, right? Creating a good culture mm. with your team. Super, super important. Yeah. So to their question about balance, I'm not trying to balance. I'm trying to eke the potential out of every single moment. And that's, but, you know, what you said earlier, I don't ask people. I didn't ask a single person, not even my wife, to do the 24 hours with me. Yeah. What I thought I it was going to be in the original pitch was that they would sort of come in waves, right? Yeah. And that ultimately through the middle of the night, it would essentially be me and a camera. And maybe somebody slept during the day so that they could come and just make sure we didn't lose internet and I'm here talking you know, for like four hours and it's not actually live. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, just Instagram live right. from your phone and the camera's Exactly. Off. So that was, that was the vision. And then more and more people were just like, no, 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 I'll be here, I'll be here, I'll be here. So that was cool. That yeah. to me is a good sign. My question is, at what point do you get so much tech in here that you don't actually know how to work it yourself? We're already there. Yeah, way oh, past. we're already there. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm not even sure that any one person knows <laughs> anything. Could, yeah, can anyone Lisa actually get this running? Did, but now I don't think she does. Because every time you get a new piece and a new person, they know how to do that yeah. thing. Especially with all like the all, and Facebook Live hasn't made it that easy. Like with their plugin, not like for multi the, the API for multicam. No, yeah, hard. I know you're doing like you're doing the work because I've done some live stream just from a desktop and with a basic DSLR on Facebook, and yeah. it's like there's systems for there's sure. Systems, yeah, yeah, no question. You got them systems. All right, we got another question. This is from Joe Tellerico. What is both your opinions on when to quit versus when to keep going? Love this topic. This is a good one. Um, well, Seth Godin has a great has a great perspective on this with the dip, and. He was on my podcast a few weeks ago, and he talked about two, two places to give up. One is in the beginning, after you've taken an assessment of the scenario, the situation. So you look at, let's say in an alternate fictional universe, you're like, I want to make a nutrition bar. What would that be like? A crazy know? world. Crazy world. Imagine. So like you start doing it, and you're like rolling out the ingredients with the rolling pins, doing the whole thing. Like same thing like Quest early days. And then you realize, you know what? Actually... Our suspicions are confirmed. It's not possible to make the bar the way we want it to. Like, it's not just a manufacturing process. Like, the whole thing's just not going to work. Right. Well, you test it and you put in enough research to get to the point where you can make a real decision and then you either kill it mm. after you've done the research or you kill it or you stop doing it after you've gone through the hard part. But you anticipate the dip. You know that once you've done the work in the beginning to know it's a good idea, 
between that and the end where you're either successful or not successful, there's going to be this dip where you totally lose motivation to do the work. Mm. And so you'd make a commitment to go through that forward or go through that before you go forward. And so I, I, don't, I, I think it's okay to, to give up, but only after you've made an assessment that what you're doing is actually to your detriment as you go. Because you can go deeper into something just out of pride and ego. Mm. And that a lot of people run into that when starting a business. Yeah, I think that's a really good description. There's another description that um, Eric Barker talks about in his book, but if I'm not mistaken, he's citing somebody else's research. Um, but it's the WOOP method, W-O-O-P. And I always end up getting the O's backwards, but it's wish, um, obstacle, no, wish, outcome, obstacle, plan. Sure. So you wish, oh, I want to be rich. What is the outcome that you want? I want to um, start a nutrition company and um, make food that people can choose based on taste and happens to be good for them. Okay. What is the obstacle? Manufacturing is going to be brutally difficult. Yeah. What's the plan? I'm going to learn manufacturing and get into engineering and engineer our own equipment. If when you lay all that out, you go, God, that yeah. does not sound like fun. <laughs> then your emotional response to whoop tells you that, yeah, this you probably not something you like enough to get past the dip for sure. So yeah. that, that to me, um, is really important for people to understand and that you have to turn inward, look for areas of interest, do the whoop, do the, um, the, the dip, get far enough into the research, into actually doing it, that you get an emotional response early in the process so you can decide, okay, do I really like this enough to keep pushing because things are going to get very difficult? In my language, the struggle is guaranteed, the success is not. Sure. So are you going to be willing to do this forever or for a very long time, knowing that you're just going to struggle, 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 struggle? So would it still be fun? Would you still love it? And the two times in my life where I've been able to say unequivocally yes were Quest and Impact Theory. Well, I was going to say, so people don't brush over this fact, this is important. It's not like every time you, um, like it's not like playing a video game where when you die, you start back at the beginning. When you die in business, sometimes you do lose money or you, there's some, sometimes you do lose, but more often than not, you've gained connections, you've gained experience, you've gained situational knowledge that you just can't read about it from a book. There's no like book like, the book on what if you want to produce a nutrition product that isn't currently manufactured. Right. It just yeah. doesn't. That's that book. Sadly, you're right. Does yeah, not it doesn't. Exist. That's the only book that doesn't exist. Right. So, so you gain it now. So you don't start back from the beginning. Every everything that you do is it's a building block. Just like Dylan will be doing it for the next twenty years. So there is no. There really isn't any failure except if you're like, oh, entrepreneurship sucks. Which at that point maybe it would have been better to take an, uh, an assessment before you got into it and say, I actually like having like a consistent paycheck at the same time every month. I enjoy the time I have off with my family because I agree with you. Entrepreneurship isn't like a. There's no moral high ground. It's not. There's no ethical or moral implications around being an entrepreneur. You're not a better person because you're doing it. You know, it's actually, it's it's harder. It's way harder. So. Fine. So I think look at that before going in. Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Okay. If yes, proceed. Right. If I want to proceed, am I willing to go through the struggle regardless of success? Yes. Am I willing to know that each struggle is probably going to help me get better? Fine. Okay. Keep going. You'll never fail then. It's impossible. Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And understanding what drives you, understanding what's at your core is really the, the most important thing people can understand because this stuff can get so grindy, it can get so painful, and it can take so many years that not enjoying the process, not enjoying what you do, and that's why I think mission is so important. There's that great Nietzsche quote, um, when you have a why, you can withstand almost any how, oh, yeah. right? So if, 
if you want to get to the other side of that dip, if you want to have something that you're able to push through just years and years and years of struggle, there has to be that thing that just compels you forward. And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong. They're just thinking about money and money will let them down every single time. Yeah, um, there's, a, uh, there's a great book. I was, I'm sure this Nietzsche quote was, before, was written before this book and it makes me think about it. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, yeah. Fantastic so, book. Dude, one of the most powerful books ever. In the world ever written. Yeah. Uh, and so talk about why versus how, right? Like, talk to people, give people context. Who's Viktor yeah. Frankl? Why do you write this book? So Viktor Frankl is, um, he is a, he was a psychiatrist, a clinical psychiatrist in, I, I believe it was Poland during the Second World War. And he's a Jew. And so he was taken into Nazi imprisonment. Uh, and he went through a bunch of different in, in imprisonment camps, including Auschwitz, which is one of the most savage, brutal, worst he was in. Work camps, uh, everything. And he suffered a great deal. And he saw his entire family die. And when he was going through this experience, and then for a time after, he helped to organize his experiences from the perspective of a clinical psychiatrist analyzing his thoughts and talking about why he was thinking about the things he was uh, he was thinking about and why he was experiencing or why he supposed that he was experiencing these things as he was going through them. And it was, it was probably one of the only first-person uh, perspectives we've gotten from a psychiatrist about that time period and about that specific experience. And it just opens your mind up because, I mean, you want to talk about a world of, of like shallow quotes you go on Instagram. You want to talk about like really deep stuff from a guy who's been there, who's been through it. His book, um, Man's Search for Meaning, will, will teach you a lot about when everything gets stripped away, what keeps you hanging on? What makes you not want to kill yourself, basically? Honestly, what makes you want to withstand others' threats to your life? Uh, and it's a great book on like overcoming suffering, uh, humanity. Um, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, that book yeah. rocked me. So incredible. Rock you. All right, it says we have a question, but we don't have a question on the TV. So I'm feeling lied to. That we've already, I, I, that's what we just answered. I have a question for you. Fire away. Um, I was at, uh, <laughs> I think at a gas station yesterday. I was, I was stopping to get some, um, like a water before I drove home. And of course, I'm like, I was looking for the Quest My spot man. now. You know, what, yeah, come on. Like, of course, obviously. Um, and I saw the Quest Hero Bars. Mm. And then I read the package, you know, just old bodybuilder habit. Let me look at these macros. Yep. Okay, so looking at them. And it says... There's a big, like, almost a disclaimer on the package. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has all, all the sugar. What is it called? Allulose. Allulose, allulose, which says that there's sugar in it, but there's really not, so don't worry, right. basically, is what it said. I was yeah. like, and I remember eating this. I'm like, there's probably sugar in this, but it's, it's, <laughs> but it, but it's Tom, and whatever Tom says, I trust. My man. So, so, yeah, just randomly on allulose. So, allulose has to be labeled as a sugar. It technically is a saccharide. Right. But just like erythritol, it only contributes, I think, so erythritol is 0.2 calories per gram. I think sure. allulose is 0.4. So when normal sugar um, comes in at 4 calories per gram and has a massive impact on your blood sugar, allulose does not, 0.4-ish, I think, calories per gram. And it doesn't have that response to your blood sugar. Now, this is like full disclaimer. We cannot make this claim whatsoever. This is pure <laughs> anecdotal. I will tell you, I mean, literally, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, anecdotal, this is anecdotal, but when we <laughs> were- very live. Yes. When, when we were testing, you want one, one more anecdotal? Uh, when we were testing it, so I, um, a bunch of us did this, and some of us had the same result. I wasn't the only one, but 
uh, there's like whispers in the community that it's like this. Some for some people, like it actually lowers your blood sugar. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I took it, and it did. It lowered mine. So I, I literally With have no glucometer. idea why. Yep. Nice. Literally, have blood. I have no idea why. Definitively, cannot make that claim. I can can't promise you anything. Test your own blood work with a doctor, like all of the, the normal disclaimers. Um, but I was shocked at what my response was. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's so many new interesting things I'm learning every day about ways to optimize your health. I just recently in the past, like six months to a year, started experimenting with fasting for the first time. Really? And even that was like, a, oh, this is like, this was, it was probably the most like, for me, revolutionary thing I learned to do for my health since like learning that maybe I shouldn't eat bread every day, that type of wow. stuff. You know, it's like it was. A, so there are definitely. So I'll 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 um, order some allulose to my house and I'll sprinkle some of it. On Try my, it. On Test my, uh, your blood. I'll Test like, your yeah. blood. See what it does. It, yeah, it's well, the only way. The hero bar was delicious. Like bottom line, dude. Those the hero bar actually ridiculous. Was but my thing is, don't trust anyone. Right. So yeah. test your blood. See what your individual response is. So yeah. that's one thing I, I can't stress enough. All right. We have our question here. It's from Christy Ratliff. What is your advice on fanning the flames of something I have interest in? Do you recommend reducing some time at my full-time job in order to pursue that? My current job takes up a lot Ooh. of my day, leaving only a little bit of time for family. That's a good one. That is a good one. You go. All right. So here's my thing. The fanning the flames process looks like this diving deeper into it. So you look inward, you see what um, is like a little firefly and you wanna see if this is something that's really gonna turn into something. You need to engage in it. It's not about thinking about it, it's actively doing it. Um, so the person that really concretized that notion of clarity comes through action was Marie Forleo and her example was going to dance class. She debated it for years in her mind and then finally one day was like, I'm just gonna go to a fucking dance class. She goes to the dance class and realizes like, five minutes into it, that she loves it beyond measure. And she was like, I never would have understood that just by thinking about it because she had so much insecurity around what, what are people going to think and all that. She said by going and doing it, it was so much fun. She no longer cared what anybody else thought. I thought that's so powerful. Like it always comes from action. So engage in that thing, whatever that thing is, whether it's basket weaving, entrepreneurship, martial arts, like it doesn't matter. Go do it and you'll see in that process if it's something that you really want to keep fanning the flame. So the interest will turn into maybe a fascination. And then once you have it at a fascination where like, I really want to pursue this, as you go down the path of gaining mastery, that's where you're going to realize whether this is going to become a full-blown passion or not. Because the process of gaining mastery is about fighting through boredom. It's about continuing to do something long mm -hmm. after it stops being fun because you want to acquire the skill set. And that's where most people fall out. Now, should you take time off from your job? If you can afford it and you don't enjoy your job and it's not giving you enough time to do the other thing you know that you really care about, uh, yes. So that's amazing. That's an incredible position to be in. So if you really are interested in finding out more about this thing, or you just want to take some time off and go try a bunch of different things to find out which one of them really sparks you and makes you feel alive, I can't encourage that enough. So that, like, encountering that stuff is super, super critical. Uh, well, to, to put it in the words of a, of a wise Instagrammer, uh, <laughs> don't wait to be inspired to act. Acting will be inspired. Nice. Right? Who said that? I just made it up. Well, why is Instagram? Instagram? Hello. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you, you get, you, you become more inspired. It's like, you know, you go to the gym and the endorphins actually make you feel like working out when you're working out, mm. but not beforehand. I mean, That's I, a great point. I, I, uh, I used to really, really enjoy the thought of going to the gym. Now I enjoy the thought much less, but I still enjoy the action. It's interesting. I hate the thought and the action. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, but, but you know what? You're still in there. So you're doing something that you hate every day. Correct. But you're willing to go, but it's pain on both sides. Like the pain of either going through going to the gym 
or the pain of not going and all the things that happen because you don't go. Body starts to suck. Oh, dude. Mental, Way you worse. know, mental stuff going on. Like it's hard to be confident in yourself. So there's pain on other sides, but one is a pain that leads to a positive outcome. Totally. And others, it just leads to deterioration. Totally. You know. All right. Another question. This one from Michael Foster. What is the number one thing that you wish you'd learned early on in life? Sales funnels. Done. Really? Love that. <laughs> that. Hey, that's specific, man. And not the I'm, traditional answer. A, no. Um, well, what do you think? What would you? Uh, for me, the answer is easy, man. A growth mindset. Yeah. I really didn't have it. And I didn't have it until I was in my mid bordering on late 20s. I mean, look, it's a scale. It wasn't like binary, but I didn't have a full blown growth mindset until I was. Well, explain what that is. So a fixed mindset is somebody that believes that their talent and intelligence are fixed traits that cannot be improved. So you're as smart as you are when you're born and that's it. Um, whatever you're good at, that's it. You're only ever going to be good at those. And you can sort of get better at the technical aspects, but eh, that's sort of it. Either you have the talent or you don't. A growth mindset, on the other hand, believes that your talent and intelligence are totally malleable traits that you can improve so that you can actually raise your IQ, which is one of those things people think you just could never do, or you could learn to sing, you could develop perfect pitch, uh, which they've actually done an interesting study, uh, which is why I have the guts to bring that one up because for a long time, that was like the one thing I was like, <laughs> don't bring up perfect pitch. Um, and then they taught an entire class of kids perfect pitch. Really? Yeah. So it's, um, I... While it's probably not true that you can learn anything, I'm just going to default to that because it's so much closer to you can learn absolutely anything. Than nothing new. Correct. That, uh, yeah, you, you can do anything. Do you think Donald Trump has a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? God, people, political, political, political. I'm just um, joking with he, you. You don't even have to go there. I thought it was funny. Though. Nope, I'll, I'll answer it. He is a big ball of fixed mindset. That dude actually scares me. And he scares me. Like, you know he scares me because I'll actually talk about him. Yeah. yeah. Normally, I wouldn't talk about fucking politics. Are you joking? You're just inviting problems. So it actually worries me. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, but I think fixed mindsets are, are fixed to insecurity, right? Because you have to, it's kind of like if you're trying to like, um, you don't want any of the pieces to move because it's going to mess up your, the table in your mind. Like you don't want anyone to think of you incorrectly or challenge you or call you out because then you're going to have to like rethink all the things you know about you know about right. yourself. And I think a lot. I mean, that that show that's happening on, on that, that spectacle, the national spectacle, happens. I think a lot of to a lot of us in our personal lives, the people that we know who are just not really willing to see potential in what could be, which is why sometimes we'll pitch someone and they won't see it or why we'll, you know, we're, we'll be hoping to have a better relationship with someone, but it just won't work out because, you know, you have a fixed mindset and it's hard to, uh, it's hard to like get past certain mental blocks. You know, you, I'm sure you had some big mental hurdles you had to like forcefully push down in order to get to like the various milestones you hit, right? No question. Some big no ones. Question. Yeah. All right, we're getting the wrap segment sign. But man, this was a lot of fun, Daniel. Thank you so much for coming My on. Pleasure. And the giveaway winner is, are you ready, Kevin Michael? And the answers were, boom, boom, boom. Wow, the, the very generous answers were Ooh. Zuckerberg, Gerard Adams, and Tom. Nice. And of course, we picked somebody that didn't mention Daniel, so now he's gonna like I'm leaving out. immediately. And by the way, I'm not a millennial entrepreneur. Yes. So. Wow. Oh, what's the so definition? I was say, that's incredibly generous. 18 to 70 ah, is the new definition. <laughs> exactly. All right. Everybody, thank you to Daniel for joining us. And if you are not already following Matt, at Rich20-something. Thank you, my man. Man.
That was great. That was was a pleasure, man. That was awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.